Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Knowing that happy, valued employees impact customer experiences, I've invited a true expert who speaks about the importance of leadership and how to do it right. Lauren Herring is an author and CEO of The Impact Group. She's transformed the company into a global leader in employee career development and here to share valuable gems of information so that you can really achieve success wherever you work. We dive into topics such as mentorship versus sponsorship and how you need both no matter what stage you are in your career. We also talk about diversity and inclusion best practices and why you need to care about it as there's real tangible business benefits. There's so much more you're gonna get from this conversation I'm having with her. I have one request, please, Subscribe to Doing CX Right on your favorite podcast channel. Leave a review and tell others to listen. It would mean the world to me. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Lauren Herring. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show. Hi, Stacey. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, so we have met in in many times over the years. And so I'm so happy to be able to now be a host and have you on my show because you're really walking the talk as a woman leader. So with that said, tell the audience, who are you? What do you do? Hi, well, thanks again for having me. And I am just passionate about leadership in general and in particular about getting more women in leadership and how that relates to me and what I do is I am CEO of Impact Group and we help companies win by getting the most out of their teams. And we do that primarily through career and leadership coaching. At the end of the day, we help empower people to find and grow great careers And that just ties into my why about why I'm so passionate about what we do. A number of years ago, uh, the Gallup organization did a survey on world happiness. And one of the things that they found, actually the main thing that they found was the number one driver of happiness worldwide is a good job. And so at Impact Group, we help people find and grow great careers And so I feel like the work we do makes such a difference, not only to the people that we help, to the companies that we help, because by having great employees, you know, you're able to support your customers better. You're able to grow. You're able to provide raises. You know, at the end of the day, when you have a great job, you go home, you're a better parent, you're a better spouse. So I feel so connected and deeply honored to do the work that we do to help people with their careers. Hmm. How has it changed? changing, I should say, in over the past year and a half where everybody was home and isolated, I guess is the right word. And now going back to the office, some, some not, but how is it changing in terms of the work you're doing to actually support employee happiness? You know, 
Companies have recognized that it's so important to not just leave people dangling out there. And I, and I think this whole pandemic situation has only heightened our awareness. I think before there was a little bit of a mentality that, you know, some companies could get by with, you know, doing the minimum. But when people are out there on their own and isolated, Everybody was feeling the some of the challenges, both on a professional and a personal level. And so I don't think there's very many companies out there that have been immune from uh, the attrition challenges that we've experienced recently. You know, the whole idea of you're just lucky to have a job, even in a pandemic, is no longer you know something that I, I think anyone really thinks. And so... You know, companies have realized they need to invest in their talent because retention, especially with our current uh, gap in you know the employment market, you, know, you need to make sure that you're supporting your employees, helping them grow professionally, helping them see a path, a future, a career path. And, you know, the other piece right now is the focus on well-being. And so recognizing that we're humans first and employees second. And so how do you make sure that you're supporting the entire person in the employment process, especially when people are isolated at home? Yes. Now, I believe, especially with customer experience and employee experience, we obviously need to rely on the brands, the leaders, but we also have to own our own experience as well. It's a two-way street. What's your views on that? Absolutely. So in fact, you just walked straight into my personal career philosophy, which is you need to take control of your career, which is also the name of my podcast, Take Control of Your Career. It's about how do you make sure that you're in the driver's seat of your career? In the past, maybe there was a perspective that you could just wait around and wait for someone to develop you, or it was the company's job to find a career path for you. But we all recognize now that lifetime employment is no guarantee. There's no such thing as a true corporate ladder that you're just going to waltz your way up. And the idea that you know, that even your your chosen profession has a future is another area, just with the dynamics of technology changing our industry so much, you need to really stay on top of what's going on in your industry. How do you stay relevant in your career? Make sure you have all the training and uh, latest skills and that it's not always your company's job to do that, but you need to own that. And, you know, no matter where you are in the um in the latter, whether you're an individual contributor, whether you're a manager or an executive, it's your opportunity, your responsibility, in fact, to recognize that for you to get to that next level, you need to bring value. And what's going to set you apart from other candidates, even when it's a hot job market, you need to demonstrate that you have some very specific value that you can bring an organization. And that's why they should help you get to that next level or why they should choose you to be that next leader. And it's all about you taking that control. And even if you are looking for that development from your company, how do you make sure that you're having those conversations and you're initiating those conversations with your leaders so that you're not just frustrated that nothing's happening with my career? Take that, own it, and say, you know, here's what I want out of my career. Is that something that you see possible here? How can we make that happen? 
Mm. Well, talking about employee satisfaction, I think part of that comes from having a mentor. Now, I'll speak for myself in my over 20-year career, don't need to reveal my age, but I didn't have a mentor for many, many years in my in my lifetime. What's your view on mentorship and for people who never had one, or maybe they're lucky they did, but how do you find a mentor? What's your view on mentorship to achieve that happiness? Mentorship is very important. I'll actually speak about several different types of relationships that you want to have, but we'll start with mentorship because that's actually an opportunity to learn, to learn more about yourself, to learn more about an organization, to learn more about a type of job going forward. And sometimes I think that the whole idea of going out and finding a mentor in quotation marks is a little bit of a lot of, well, it's a lot of pressure to uh, to go out and say, hey, will you be my mentor? So maybe we can just take some of the terminology away from this and talk about how you can build relationships and invite more senior people to lunch or out to coffee. Um, take the opportunity to pick up a phone or, you know, do a Teams note or Slack or whatever the case is, and maybe just say, hey, can I pick your brain on something, uh, you know, on on a particular item, have some specific details that you would like to investigate and just maybe ask for five or 15 minutes with someone that you trust and you don't need to go out and immediately say, will you be my mentor? But you can start by building a relationship. And from there, eventually, once you have more of a foundation, once you have a relationship, then you can actually perhaps start to call it, you know, so-and-so is my mentor. Uh, but the, the best way to actually develop that is to ask lots of questions, get information about whether it's the underbelly of the organization that you want to understand more about and how you can navigate that. Uh, could be, you know, uh, do you have any feedback on things that... Uh, I could do better in my job. Um, perhaps, you know, asking a skip level leader um, if they've seen you present or something like that. And most importantly, make sure you follow up, not necessarily just to say thank you, but a month later, two months later, make sure that you let them know what it is that you've done with their information. They'll start to feel some fingerprints on your career. And then you can continue to go back to that well because they recognize you're doing something with that information. So that's a really key part of the mentoring relationship is that you know you keep on feeding it and you don't expect the mentor to own the relationship. In my opinion, a mentee should really own the relationship as much as possible because you're the one that's wanting to get value out of it. So go prepared with questions, go prepared to, with what you want out of it and make sure that, that you're communicating that. I'd like to speak also about sponsors. And so a sponsor is slightly different than a mentor in that you're not just going for information, you're not trying to learn, you're not trying to just build a relationship, but you're actually asking a sponsor to put their name on the line for you. And sometimes you know who, that you have a sponsor and sometimes you don't. But that relationship is really critical for getting to the next level, especially more senior levels, because you are at some point 
going to need someone in the room where decisions are made who's saying, you know what? I've seen Stacy in action and she's a powerhouse. We need to figure out a way to get her another opportunity at that next level, for example. Mm. I love your distinction between mentorship and sponsorship. And I also am smiling because without even realizing maybe some of the things you said around feed, getting feedback, relationship building, following up, being prepared, all of that is actually the best practices for salespeople and the front line who are talking to customers. Same thing. Absolutely. Well, I think in pretty much every situation, you could look at a mentor-mentee relationship as a customer. In, in many ways, you know, if you want a mentor, you need to convince them that spending their time and their social capital is worth it, which is a sales transaction in some form or another. Yes. Yes. So I was, I was definitely jumping out of my skin as you're describing it. Cause I'm like, yes, that's what we need the world doing. That's humanizing business. And, and it applies to everything we do. So great examples. I want to dive into leadership and particularly diversity and inclusion. It's a hot topic and it's not cliche. It's so important. What's your view on diversity, inclusion, and women leadership? And why should leaders, companies of all sizes care about it? Well, for those who might not have heard the news flash in the last year or so, diversity is a business issue. It's not just a, you know, quote, diversity issue. So um, this is relevant because, um, your customer base, you know, back to the CX aspect of it, your customer base is diverse. And so do you want to have people making decisions that understand the complexities of all the various aspects of your customers? So that's just table stakes, honestly, with where we are. Uh, the, The other aspect right now is you want to take advantage of the full spectrum of talent that's out there. And like we were talking about earlier, The talent game is how business is won and lost these days. And you want to retain your top talent and especially your top diverse talent, because as we all have heard, you know, the the higher you get up in business, the more challenging it is to find the diverse talent, whether it's women, whether it's uh, people of color. And, And so making sure that you're developing and retaining diverse talent at all levels of the leadership pipeline is really critical to make sure that you're able to grow your own, you're able to keep that top talent. And the the one thing that I want to highlight about um, the whole concept of diversity is that a lot of times when we talk about, you know, women's programs or diversity programs, it's like, how do we teach women or teach people of color to have, to be successful in our organizations? But it's really not about fixing, you know, this other group that currently is not the power base. There are elements where we need to guide those individuals on how they can be more successful within the current situation. And at the same time, the better opportunity is how do you work within the current 
structure and start to chip away at some of the uh, cultural aspects and the structural aspects that have kept the lack of diversity, the status quo for so long. And so that could be things like, first of all, making sure that your high potential programs are actually going out to the broad reaches of your employee population, including, for example, if you have employee resource employee resource groups, like the the women's groups or the African-American groups or whatever, how do you make sure that you're pulling talent from those groups into high potential programs? How do you make sure that you're training and, and leading your managers to have more inclusive types of conversations? Historically, one of the things that we know is that managers have different conversations unbeknownst to them often, you know, between women and men in their one-on-ones. You know, they're having different conversations about development opportunities, about feedback. Um, so often, and, and this is just a very unfortunate, difficult place that maybe some leaders feel they're in, like where they say, oh, I can't give honest feedback to a woman because then I'll, you know, be put in a difficult position. So you really, we need to guide our leaders on how they can provide solid feedback to all people, not just white male employees. And then that's the way that you're going to start to improve the talent of those um, those groups as well. Mm. Well, similar to what you said before about owning your career, owning your experiences, owning your mentorship relationship, I also believe we have to own the education and sensitivities to the people we're with in a very savvy way. And what I mean by that is, and people who know me might remember this story because I've said it before. I was in a workplace environment and I was actually the only woman in the room and it was all men. And they started talking and they, one of the individuals cursed and said, oh, sorry, Stacy, sorry, sorry, I cursed. And I said, well, I got to tell you that your cursing didn't bother me whatsoever. In fact, you should come to my house. <laughs> There's a lot of that. What bothers me is that you called out the sorry and and made me feel like, you know, if you're going to be talk locker room, you know I'm here. Either don't say it, but don't apologize for it. And that's what made me uncomfortable is feeling different. So does that... Does, yeah, is because that you didn't feel different to begin with. Right. So it's the mere act of apologizing for something you did. Either don't do it or do it and embrace anybody that's in the room with you. Yeah, yeah, it's lessons. a great story. Yeah. Yeah, so I like to to introduce that one and make people aware that just be sensitive to the subtle, the subtle conversations. It's not even about black and white. It's just the subtle of everyday talk. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and a lot of times people are not even aware of it. So like I said, a lot of times managers don't even think about, I have different kinds of conversations with men versus women, or I write different feedback on my, um, on my performance reviews. Great job, keep up the good work versus, 
here specifically, you did a great job here. Here's specifically where you need to improve. Yes. So I like to put a position. Imagine you are, imagine in my room, there Mm -hmm. are tons of CEOs and leaders in my room. What are the two most, one or two most important advice that you want them to know? I go back to focusing on the why. And this is so relevant because in the CX world as well, as well. Because in order to really connect with your team members, getting them to feel that deeper sense of purpose is so important. Uh, being able to connect their role to the goal of the company and even more about the deeper impact that you're making on your customers, on the world. And nowadays, employees are looking for a company that's making a difference. And so being able to say, yes, I'm doing this job and I'm also doing it so that, you know, uh, we're, we're reducing emissions in, or it doesn't even have to be something that dramatic, but, you know, where you can really see the, uh, the result of the, the work that you're doing. You know, I interviewed uh, Penny Pennington from Edward Jones. She's the managing partner of Edward Jones in my podcast. And she was all about the why. And in their case, you know, they help with financial acumen of their customers. And, you know, it's not just about building wealth, but it's all the things that you can do with wealth and how that can change your life or how that can, you know, put your kids through college and that kind of thing. So, you know, being able to support people to understand, hey, yeah, I'm I'm not just filling out this form, but, you know, I'm helping people send their kids to college. That's a pretty different approach from the from the employee experience. And, you know, customers are looking for the same thing. They want a company that matters and that's doing that deeper level of work. Mm, I love that. And, and I also admire that you own a company, you're a mom, and you are walking that talk of leading and also being customer-centric in order to even keep growing your own business. Any advice for small businesses? Because a lot of times people think CX and employee experience, what we're talking about, is really for the big companies, but it's not. It's small too and midsize. Yeah, absolutely. So we would be considered a small business and we we work with Fortune 500s. Uh, in fact, we have a client list of over 200 Fortune 500 companies, but we still are uh, small and mighty. And uh, we absolutely look at things from the customer experience and uh, actually recently went through a uh, design thinking process mm. for some product development. And we actually, uh, you know, brought in users of our programs. We brought in people that didn't use our programs uh, to understand the experience of uh, job search, you know, without help and uh, really understanding, you know, what, what are people going through in that process? And, you know, every time that we start to get inside out thinking. We actually had someone on our team who was raising their hand saying, hold on guys, what does the customer need here? And you don't always need to have like a big 
fancy consultant even helping with this. It's about how do you make sure, if nothing else, that you have a truth sayer in the group saying, hold on, what's the customer need here? Why would the customer want this? And you know, that was the process that we went through recently. And it was so powerful because you know, when we're in our everyday world of you know, getting business done, it's so easy to just be thinking about what we know and how we go about things. And making sure that you have someone, some people, you know, a regular uh, uh, check to say, what does the customer really need here is it's so valuable. And uh, it, that's where it has everything has to come from. Yeah, let me repeat that outside in. Outside in, meaning bring the customer or the prospect to the table as you're designing, as you're co-creating, do it with them. And that's how magic happens. That's how, that's what doing CX right really means. Yeah, I love that. You said that well. So my last question, I ask this of everybody because it's just an inspirational moment I like to end with. If you could go back in time to your younger self, let's say 20-year-old Lauren, based on what you know now, what would you tell the younger Lauren that you didn't know then? I would encourage her to ask more questions and listen more, which actually goes straight back to doing CX right. I took over a significant amount of leadership position as CEO in my late 20s. I hadn't even hit 30 yet, and I became CEO of Impact Group. And I had also just finished an MBA. And so I I, honestly, I look back and I think because of my age, because I was young, I tried to make it seem like I had all the answers and I knew what I was doing because I didn't want people to question me. And so I went out there and I started doing and a lot of inside out thinking. Mm. And what I've learned over time is asking more questions, getting more insight from the team, pulling in the broader knowledge of uh, customers, the team, you know, so many different perspectives. It will improve the business experience, the the output. It'll improve the relationships. It will improve the relationships with your customers in the end. And and overall, it's going to make, because the relationships will be better, it's going to make doing business Mm -hmm. more fun as well. Well, you really intuitively got it at such a young age before even CX was a term. And that's that's really tells a lot about you and your intuition and your gut and, and wonderful that you followed it because at 20, that doesn't always happen. Well, I think that's part of the challenge is that I I tried to to make sure everybody knew how smart I was for a while and I've over time corrected that. But, you know, that's what I would tell my younger self. I love that. And I would also say from my own experience at 20 years old, sometimes you also have to fake it till you make it because I was thrown into a job. It was at AT AT&T and I was in a position of selling to really high level people. I wasn't technical. I didn't really know what I was selling at the time. And I just had to 
fake it till I made it and, and gain the strength, gain the confidence. So I think it's both the intuition and yeah. the listening and everything you describe, but also having faith that it's going to be okay. You know, what you just told, that story you just told actually uh, reminds me of another story if I can finish on yeah. this one. Again, like I said, I took on a leadership role at a young age and I knew that I would go gray early because my mom did and I started to get little grays here and there. And I remember thinking, I can't wait to go gray because then people will take me seriously. I'll look older because I've always looked younger. And... I hit about 30 and I was like, oh, this is not going to work. And so I also around that same time came to the realization that people, whether people take you seriously or not, has nothing to do with the color of your hair and it has everything to do with what's going on inside of you and gravitas, executive presence, confidence that comes from the inside and you know, having that fake it till you make it mentality, even when you're not necessarily feeling as confident as you might otherwise, it, you're right. It is finding that blend of vulnerability and confidence that is the trick of leadership. I love this. And what a great way to end. Such good, inspirational thoughts and advice. So thank you, Lauren. Now, People are going to want to find you. Where is the best place if they want to reach out? Well, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. And so again, that's Lauren Herring. Uh, you can also go to earnyourworthcareers.com. And that's where you can learn about some of our career and leadership coaching offerings. And then you can always go to Amazon, or I think you mentioned that you'll have a link on the podcast as well to find my book, Take Control of Your Job Search. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here today and all the wonderful wisdom and gems that you shared. Thank you so much, Stacey. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.